Hello and welcome to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders. This is the show where I speak with the most inspirational and thought-provoking leaders of today and unearth their unique stories of diversity and inclusion to help inspire, educate and motivate others to make the world a better place. Today, I am delighted to be joined by a very special individual. His name is Lurkon Brennan, and he is part of Accenture's ethics and compliance function. He works as the policies oversight lead for the organization and also leads the Accent on Enablement in group in Accenture, which focuses on disability awareness and inclusion, an absolutely critical subject. Lurkon, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Leila. Uh, absolutely delighted to be here and thank you very much for the invite. Wonderful. So before we kick start things, I know that we had the joy of hearing you at last year's Dial Summit and it was just insightful hearing more about you personally and professionally. I wonder for those that know you a little less than, than, than we do here at Dial, could you tell us a little bit about you, how you came to be where you are today and, and perhaps you know, why you're so passionate about the subject? Sure, sure. Well, if I go back in university, I studied natural science in Trinity here in Dublin with the aim of going into environmental science and environmental science consultancy. Fortunately, when I graduated, there were very little jobs uh, here in Dublin in that area that were beyond lab work. And so at the time, IT was taking off in a huge way. And a lot of graduates were doing these conversion courses. So I did one of those conversion courses and then joined Accenture or Anderson Consulting as it was at the time. And through my journey and career in Accenture, I would have been on the consultancy side for, the, for pretty much 19 years, working on client sites in, in, in health and public service, delivering large scale projects. I was a program manager. And then more recently, I switched over to an entity within Accenture called Accenture Commercial Services, which is based in Dublin. And that's where I moved into the ethics and compliance role. And in terms then of the, uh, the accident and enablement piece within Ireland, about nine years ago, my second daughter, Thea, was born and had a brain injury at birth and has num- numerous different issues like cerebral palsy and microcephaly, epilepsy. She's legally blind, but she's incredible. She wasn't ever expected to be able to walk, but she's running around. We've we engaged in extensive early therapy. And really it was Thea who inspired me to get involved in this space because what I noticed as she was growing up was that there were great supports in schools for children with disabilities at an early, an early age. That's been extended into secondary schools, but then they really just drop off the cliff face in a lot of situations. So I really wanted that continuation of support to go into adulthood to have people with disabilities as functioning, contributing members of society for their sake, for their own mental health. And uh, yeah, that's why I, I, start, I started. I want when Thea grows up, I want it to be as normal for her to go into a company and get a job as it is for, for every, all the rest of us. Well, what a wonderful story. Thank you so much, Lorca. Not only yourself personally, because clearly you are impacting wider society in the role that you play now within Accenture, you know, not just for your daughter to really pave the way, but also for others. You know, I think it's absolutely exceptional. And, you know, to your point, you know, there being great support in schools, it's how can we make sure that that is ultimately, as you say, continued and that we're removing what can often be some quite systematic barriers 
to success for for all. And if I may just un- unpick a little bit about kind of sure. the, the current role, because, you know, I, I know you're doing a huge amount. We've, you know, seen and heard a lot from Team Accenture on, on, on work and celebrations for, you know, everything from International Day of Persons with Disabilities through to, you know, actually really speaking out about this. Talk to us a little bit about kind of the, the current work and, and how you've interwoven, you know, your brilliant personal experiences with your daughter into, into the workplace and into the group that you you lead yeah so at the moment i i think accenture and many other companies in society were very much in a transition phase you'll know this yourself Leila. from the conversation around disability has transformed in the last five years in particular uh and maybe really began in earnest if you go back you know nine or ten years ago so we're st- we're still in that transition phase so how we organize ourselves in terms of the accident and enablement team is around four key pillars the first one is around awareness. That's huge. I think around disabilities, it, it really is one of the, the last unconscious bias pieces that we see in society. You, you don't, you know, thankfully, you don't see many people going out being deliberately mean or horrible to people with disabilities. But you ask that same person a question about hiring somebody in or working with somebody and having somebody with a disability on, on their team, then suddenly the bias kicks in. You know, will we be less productive? How do I deal with that person? I don't know how to deal with that person. And it's not necessarily coming from a bad place. It, 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 it's, it's genuine concerns and fears. So we have to build that awareness. You know, 15% of the world's population have a disability. From a purely practical perspective, we are missing out on that whole, you know, resource pool of people and what that different way of thinking brings to organizations. And we've seen a huge change in that over the last few years, as I said. So awareness for us is key. Trying to drive that awareness, really set the foundation in to build all the rest of the programs on top of that. Then in terms, our other pillar of practical support. So we know that within Accenture at the moment that there are a lot of people with disabilities, but the vast majority of those are probably hidden. And unless somebody decides to self-disclose, we will never know that. But what we're again, and this, this, is, this is tied in with the awareness piece, we want people to kind of, you know, if they're comfortable and want to, feel totally comfortable to self-disclose, ask for help, ask for support and reasonable accommodations. Because then they're happy, they get the best out of themselves, but the organization again gets the best out of them. So there's a series of practical supports that, that, that we've put in. We've also, we also work with community. So disability organizations that are in my particular group based here in Ireland, but we've reached out because we want to help those organizations feed the next generation of people with disabilities coming in to, to companies and organizations and the, and the workplace. And then lastly, we have the recruitment pillar because you know, if we're really serious about this, we should be targeting organizations that specifically help people with disabilities in the recruitment space. We, you know, Accenture, like everyone else, has the we're an equal opportunities employer statement on the on their on their application forms. That probably doesn't mean a huge amount to someone with a disability who might be concerned about, you know, would I be good enough? Will they, will they, are they interested in me? You know, what supports do I get? So I think organizations need to be very proactive with recruiting agencies with the universities to go and say we value everyone you know these are the supports if someone has a disability these are the supports that we put in place to allow that person not just to come to a company like Accenture but to build a career and build their life through their to through the company as well 
So those are the four main areas in terms of how of what we're doing to try and bring about change. Well, I take my virtual hat off to you and Team Accenture for, for, for doing this around those really clear four pillars. And there's so much there that I would love to, to unpack. I'm going to start with, with, with the piece around awareness that you mentioned there, because yeah. it's easy to forget or people say, oh, you know, we're talking about this again. Actually, you know, I often get that in diversity and inclusion because it's sometimes seen as a bolt on to the day job. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, understand that entirely. Yet at the same time, this is something that never goes away. It's an evolutionary process. Diversity, inclusion, belonging in its all of its forms. It's, you know, it's like culture. It's living, it's breathing, it's sleeping. And if we don't continue to talk about it and keep the foot on the gas, we're never going to continually, you know, move the dial on this and I um, I was interviewing actually uh, Steve Ingham yesterday who's chief exec page group and um, he was saying you know from a practical point of view um, 20% of the population will get a disability Mm -hmm. at some point in their lives as they get older that is a enormous amount of the population you know not just for for those who have physical disabilities and, 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 you know, Steve's in the wheelchair, but there's the invisible disabilities of which some you have mentioned and, you know, you touched on neurodiversity. I'm dyslexic. Many, many people have different neurodiversities as well as also the physical disabilities. And and you think that is just a huge amount of the population that are are being marginalised and, and, and then not counted. But also, you know, that's that, that that's a customer base. That's the Society, you know, yeah. it is, you know, it's just unbelievable. And, and and they, you know, all come in different shapes and forms. And, you know, to your point around practical support, you know, which is absolutely needed to be able to back up and, and to remove systematic blockers and be more mindful ultimately about how we put interventions in place to allow this talent to thrive. That is that is absolutely key. You know, there's, you know, never this one size fits all cookie cutter approach. It's a, you know, multifaceted viewpoint. And, you know, again, which is why I think it's so good that you're kind of you're looking at all aspects, you're looking at community, you're looking at you know, recruitment internships, you know, you're feeding the funnel upwards, yet you're also looking at this practical support piece and intervention piece, which ultimately breaks breaks that cycle. I think you make a really good point as well around the sort of visible and invisible disabilities, because very often if, it, if a disability is visible, people make accommodations. But where it's invisible, they're not may not be aware so they might think you know that somebody is not good at a job or they might whatever they might make presumptions about about somebody so it's re- that's another reason why we want to drive the, the awareness is f- foundations and to create an environment where if somebody is wants to they they can self-disclose and then they get the, the support that they need and they just become much more you know productive we get the best of, out of everyone but I also think there's a broader impact on the on the workforce. When when you have a workforce that is trained to to make accommodations for people, it benefits all of us. It just makes people more open minded. It makes them take a step back and not, not rush into just into judgment about other situations, be the they be them around disability or not. Very often, some of the you know we have a, a situation where it's a workplace solutions where if somebody can ring up and say I look I'm visually impaired can I get this this piece of tech to help me that that's expanded now to the entire workforce so even practical accommodations that you're putting for maybe a subset actually then can be expanded to to benefit the entire workforce so it's win-win in in my view (laughs) 
Absolutely is. And I love the proactivity around this and ultimately training people. I, as an example, our, our, our last summit and well, again, our, our, our one that was was more recent, the one that you did, we've evolved it each time. So yeah. closed captioning. Oh, yeah. We have across everything that we do. But again, then looking at that in, in different languages or preferences, if people actually would rather read the annotations and transcripts instead, all of that is absolutely key. And, and, and to your point, you know, without asking the question or, or without training individuals, you know, they may make an automatic presumption that someone, you know, perhaps you know, is not as able because Mm -hmm. it is not as obvious ultimately for them to say. And, you know, layered on top of that as well is all the intersectionality, uh, you know, pieces as well and the layers of differences. Again, you know, with with yourself being a, you know, very, very proud father as well. You know, would we know unless we'd asked the question or unless we had heard you speak so authentically and proactively about this subject because of a personal passion that actually you were a father who had caring responsibilities and also had, you know, daughter with disabilities and and it doesn't to your point always mean that oh goodness we're going to get less productivity actually you know quite the contrary you know these you know disabilities actually I really believe sometimes are are real superpowers because when you don't have a certain capability I'll use uh, use myself here as an example you know dyslexia you know you kind of sometimes explain sometimes wrong words for certain things you find your way finding other systems that you use in order to circumnavigate that issue thereby creating new skills that someone who had those specific skills without the neurodiversity wouldn't have been able to do and so actually it it ultimately it breeds this you know amazing amount of of kind of innovation and and talent that is what we need critically and organizations like Accenture, especially being services organization, need in order to create and come up with these innovative new solutions. And it brings it brings different ways of looking at the same problem and different solutioning. In my experience, and if I look at it with, with my daughter Thea, but but more generally across the board, if I could nearly sum it down to one word, resilience. Because people, especially people, well, I was going to say especially people who were born with disabilities, but no, if you if you acquire them during your lifetime, it's the same. You need a massive amount of resilience to work around the disability. Exactly what you said there. How do I compensate for it? How do I how do I get around that problem? How do I just, you know, depending on the level of disability, how do I get up and push through? That's that resilience and determination are incredible traits to bring into your workforce. And I think it's in bucket loads, especially in the disability community. We see it all the time. Indeed. And I'd love just to touch back on some of the recruitment piece that you mentioned sure. in some of those pillars with, 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 with Thayer in mind, actually, if, if that would be okay. Is that actually, yeah, of course. you know, when we look at graduate programs and one of the reasons why I do what I do every day, and I didn't speak out about it actually for many, many years. I was too embarrassed. I thought I just wasn't good enough. I applied for all the graduate programs. I got a first class honours degree, but it didn't help me get a graduate job. Hence, I ended up um, going off working in town, running my own businesses over the years. But I kept it closed because I you know all my friends were going off to work for these graduate organizations yeah. and you know shiny blue chip companies which is where I desperately desperately wanted to be and had seen myself but I look at the the kind of you know assessment centers and things like that mm-hmm. that were in place back then and they were all very very similar which denotes almost a you know 
good, quote unquote, looks like this standard thing. Yeah. It looks like a, a cookie cutter replication of an, another person. If you don't meet that criteria, then you're suddenly classed as, as, as you know, not employable or whatever. You know, and, and I guess, you know, when you talk about the internships, which I think are absolutely brilliant, because it's not all about degrees and things like that, whilst I do also value them at the same time. But then you're kind of, you know, looking at your daughter and the kind of, mm-hmm. you know, slightly tweaked intervention she may need for graduate programs and other things, you realise the system's not been historically set up for different individuals. 100%. I mean, what, what are your thoughts? And talk to me around the, the recruitment internship piece and, you know, I suppose your mindset when you were thinking about all these things as a parent. Well, e- even going back, yeah, even before recruitment, you know, and again, this is a journey. This is a real journey. You're, you're 100% right, Leila, in that, you know, we were a very monocultural company if you went back, you know, 15 to 20 years. That has changed massively in, in the last period of time. I put a lot of that down to the efforts of the LGBTQ community, actually. they, In, in my experience, at least in Accenture Ireland, they were the first group to actively come out and, you know, campaign. And they really paved the way then for, 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 for other marginalized groups to say, well, actually, you know, what about what about us and have the same conversation? But I, I think in terms of, I think of, if I think of Thea, her training began when she was six months old. I mean, she was on a harness on a treadmill because learning learning to walk because they didn't think she would ever be able to walk. But as she goes up through the school system, as well as the practical supports that should be put in, there has to be almost mental health supports put in. You know, confidence training. You are as good as everyone else. I mean, you you said there you got a first class honors degree and you still didn't think you know that you were good enough there's something there's something wrong there um, so we have to look at the sort of psychological element as well and and and, and run that in parallel in terms then of, of companies like Accenture and recruitment yeah we, we have to do and I think we are beginning to we have to we have to reflect the society that we're in we really do it doesn't make sense if it's all you know white male middle class people as a, working as, as consultants you know it has to reflect the broader society and in, 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 around disability in particular we need to be going out to the universities we need to be going out to the recruiting agencies and saying we value everybody and if you come to Accenture these are the supports you get but it's not a tick the box exercise this isn't charity we know what you are capable of we know what you, what talents you bring what different ways of thinking that you bring to organizations such as ours and we really value that that message has to be pushed a hell of a lot stronger than it has has been up until now I mean we we ran last year uh, we ran uh, the neurodiversity internship program we partnered with specialist turn on that and that that finished in December and we're kicking it off again for this year and we have we've had a 50 percent retention rate of the interns which is you know that's 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 pretty high i think i think that might be higher than the if i do inverted commas the regular internship uh, program now we've, we're, we're merging the two but we're piloting this so you know what we've seen and, and, you, and you need to nearly you need to prove the point that this works Sometimes some tweaks and adjustments are needed, but this works. And to do this, we are really miss, missing a trick. So we need to be more proactive in our recruitment, but it goes further, it goes way back, it goes back into schools and the universities. Why are we bringing people into universities if we don't intend for them to get jobs? After, or sorry, people with disabilities into universities if we don't intend for them to get jobs afterwards? That doesn't make any sense to me. That's a tick the box exercise. You know, aren't we great? We, you know, we're, we're, we're doing the diversity box here. 
no, hold on. You know, we've put all this investment in, and that's right and proper. Bring it to the next stage. The, this isn't charity, as I said. These are functioning members of our society who do add uh, and, and will add, you know, in, in, incredible, incredible things to our companies and our society. So I hope that answers your question. <laughs> My goodness, it, it, it does. And I'm having to hold myself back here from nodding furiously, agreeing with everything that you say. <laughs> and, and not wanting to unpack every uh, granular detail of this because I think we could easily do another podcast in into itself around early education and yeah. the education system yes ultimately 100%. because you are absolutely spot on when you say that we need to be starting earlier I mean how wonderful that there is walking six months old on a treadmill that is just and it brings a tear to my eye for all the right reasons. I think, wow, that resilience, that determination, those skills that mm-hmm. you would not have ingrained into at such a young age if you didn't have the disability, you know, that is amazing. But carrying it on into schools, if we were learning about all of these aspects as something that was just the norm, then imagine the mindset for the talent then entering the workplace entering you know schools then respectively you know universities or or other extracurricular programs you know it becomes more and more the natural path and now I remember you know even in schools you know you know picking just a subject off the top of my head here you know I do not remember learning about different sexualities yeah I, I don't remember learning a huge amount, you know, about, you know, say, say black culture or or even Asian sure. culture. But again, you know, I'm very westernized. I was adopted by white British parents, but I don't, yep. you know, I don't, I don't remember a lot of these things happening. And so actually, if we started earlier and it becomes more this heartbeat of normality and this journey and evolution, as you say, then, you know, there wouldn't be the need for such huge interventions at, at this point in, in, in time. It's a really, really good point. I think if you look, if you look at anything, early intervention is the best. And if you were to take the sort of Machiavellian capitalist view of things about, I'm just put it down to a dollar or 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 pound, British pound or euro amount. If investing, if, if for example, if I take Thea again as an example, if we had sat back and done nothing, and Thea was in a wheelchair, wouldn't be able to do X, Y, and Z, we would be going to the government for much more supports than we have to do now. So because we got that early investment, better for her, obviously, but even from the state point of view, the the state gets off because the state just gives us that early investment, but isn't necessarily responsible for any sort of support later on because she she no longer needs that support, if that makes sense. And I think what you're saying about the schools as well is really important. You know, there's a lot of, there are supports there, but at, at least in Ireland, people have to, you need to beg for them or there's no one coordinated person or group or office that you go to and say this is the situation with my child or or, or with me what what do i what what supports do i guess that allow it's not just about getting supports but it's, it's an investment it's how I, I see it it's an investment in that person to make them as independent as possible and the more independent they are the greater contributors they are to society so mm-hmm. I, I think again we're, we're halfway on the journey but there's still so much more recently in Accenture we, we just launched a cares a support call for cares of children with neurodiversity I actually also has autism it's a, it's a long list and it was the common theme that people you know who joined the call because some some of them would be parents of kids who just gotten diagnosed and they just didn't know what to do they just didn't know where to go there should be a sort of a social worker type system where you know 
here's your situation, here's what we can do to help. And that will even just bolster parents in terms of being able to work through it. Because when you are a parent with a, with a child with disability, there is a whole process of grieving and anger and a whole range of emotions that different people go through to process what's happened to their child. So it, 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 yeah, there's, there's, there's loads of different angles and elements to, to this, Leila, but it's, it's, I, th- I think we're all moving in the, in, in the right direction. We're going to get in early, so I'd love to do another podcast or some more content with you, Lorcan. This is yeah, just absolutely, yeah. absolutely brilliant stuff. And before we move into a lightning round, I've just got to, got to mention some pieces on, on what you've said there around investment, because it is it should be seen as as positive investment. I mean, coming kind of right out there, looking at what's happening with kind of ESG, you know, and S is being amplified now off the scale. You look at other huge global trends and, you know, I mean, I know we've been talking about the wharf talent for years and years and years now, but the great resignation, well, couldn't it be, yeah. you know, the, the great retention here? investment in people as assets for the long-term sustainable future is what we absolutely need to be doing now more than ever. You know, this is not a nice to have. And I sometimes get frustrated with, you know, talk around aspects of diversity and inclusion where people presume this is some kind of charitable kind of, you know, situation. You think, hang on a minute, it absolutely isn't. This is a strategic business priority because it's a reflection of society who ultimately are consumers in all of their forms. And so it is not just a, you should do it because it's the right thing to do, but it makes strategic business sense. And, you know, as you so beautifully articulated in everything you've talked about there from, you know, government, state support, et cetera, et cetera, wherever you may be, actually the whole thing is actually an ecosystem. You know, then, you know, you look at there and clearly she's going to be an asset to any organization with that amount of resilience and tenacity. Well, you know, think of the output and the productivity come from a talent like her and so many others. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, clearly for, for you and I, it's, it's kind of like as clear as night and day, you know, it's yeah. just, it, it's, it's crazy that, that there are still people that don't see this, but I you know, found this incredibly insightful, very, very, um, you know, emotive and kind of passionate podcast. And I think, you know, it, it's, you know, hundred, hundred percent will this have inspired other people to absolutely understand how it fits into the bigger picture. Well, hopefully, and, and, and at the end of the day, all of this, uh, you know, allows every citizen in our societies to be the best version of themselves. And that's not a cliche. It really isn't. And it's every, it's every person's right. And as you said, it, it, it is that investment. And we all benefit. We absolutely. I'm really looking forward, Leila, to the time. It, 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 maybe it's 10 years time, but it's when that first generation of leaders come out with disabilities are, evolve. And they're in leadership positions. And I know there are people there at the moment in leadership, but when it, when it happens more en masse, I, I think that's when we'll really see a transformation and the gaps mm-hmm. plugged. And, the you know, we're, we're very much at the forefront at the moment on that journey. But I think, we're, I think we are going to see great things in the next decade. I'm very positive about it, I have to say. And it's exciting. Oh, you you are so right. You are so right. And what would these next generations of leaders coming up through the ranks if if nothing else, and probably maybe the most challenging thing, or at least we're about to find out and become first-time parents soon, which we're terribly oh, excited, congratulations. Terribly excited about. Yeah, a couple of months left, so any advice, much appreciated. <laughs> is, um, That's a podcast is, in itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, what are we going to tell our kids when they say, what did you do as a leader, you know, mummy, daddy? What yeah. did you do as a leader to impact 
things yeah. in society that you could have made change for. And, you know, goodness me, from all I hear from friends and, and colleagues is kids have no filter. You know, they will ask you, they will <laughs> hold you to account. <laughs> so you oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I, I, have many, I have many stories about that, but no, no, 100%. And actually, I, I think you're, you're when when you do when when you do have ch- children, you're you're frame of mind can absolutely change you really do start to look at the future in a different way everyone looks at the future of course but you do i think you do start to think of well when i'm gone what will the world be like for my children they will be adults and, and exactly you're 100 you're dead right what did i do to to make it better i think if anyone listening to the podcast if, if that's a call for anyone to step up and start to do it doesn't have to be you know guinness book of record stuff it, it literally can start with a conversation if you're in a company and you're not doing anything around disability go to your leadership and say i think we should i'd like to look into that and it can start small and it grows and that's what happened in accenture we were a small group and it's grown and grown because as you get momentum more people get interested and want to be part of it but it's really really important that and we can all make without sounding too you know like i'm pontificating but we can all make change for the better and we just have to we really just have to decide yeah i'm going to do it it's as simple as that Absolutely. I'd love to get a little, get, give a little plug here for your group. How many have you got in it at the moment and why should people join? Well, with, within our group, and we have a, we have a committee <laughs> which conjures up all sorts of images, uh, you know, Village Green <laughs> Committee, all that kind of good stuff. But they're fantastic. But we, we have 10 people in that group, so it's fairly small. But then in our wider group within, within Accenture Ireland, for example, there would be close, just under 500 people in the wider group that we would update and send, you know, newsletters and stuff, stuff out to. And then we make contact with the entire company every, every now and again with, with our initiatives. So so it, it is a small group, but what we do is, I, I, I try to lead it in a very organic way. As you can imagine, Accenture can be, you know, it's, it's a big consultancy company, has our ways of doing things. I, I, my advice for anyone starting such a group is actually get, get people who are willing to do stuff, who are interested in the topic and are willing to follow up on what they start and then allow them the space to come up with ideas and run with those ideas. And you can achieve a huge amount by doing that because i think sometimes can be you know people can be afraid of the work commitments you know if i start something like this it's going to take over all my actually not if you organize it in a way that that people feel they can bring their ideas to the table and you literally say well would you like to run with that okay report back and we help you in any way it, it's very organic but it's worked really in my experience anyway i feel that's worked very very well as opposed to a very regimented um you know, project delivery way. That's something the way I would have delivered projects for clients in my a few years ago. I deliberately to consciously say, no, don't run it like that. Step back, allow people to bring their their themselves to the meetings, bring their ideas, and it's uh, yeah, it's great. It's it's really good fun, and we have a very committed following of people who are very eager to help us out in any way. It's it's fantastic, really fantastic. Well, it sounds like it's absolutely fueled by passion and intent. So if you're listening, if you're part of Accenture, if you're not part of Accenture, find out about your disability or neurodiversity employee resource group and get involved. You know, we've heard from Lorcan that actually every voice matters, even if it's a very small thing that is done. If it's a if it's a tiny conversation or if it's a nudge in the right direction to leadership or someone else, you, you never know who you could be be touching by having a conversation and, and kind of just saying, look, want you to get involved. So um, great reason. And um, 
Before we run out of time, I'd love to, well, I've got time to, to, to ask you at least one lightning round question. I'll give <laughs> you maybe, maybe 30 seconds or there or thereabouts to, to answer. I'm starting with the most difficult one first, actually, and that is what would you say is your secret to success or is that one? Oh, yeah. At the risk of repeating myself a little bit, I think you, you, need, you need a group that have a genuine desire for change. Absolutely. And surround yourself with people who have the same goal, let things happen organically. And when you are going, you know, don't give up. Sometimes when you pitch an idea, it might be shot down quite early on. But I have a little thing, let's make it so they can't say no. And what I mean by that is, is create a logical argument for what you're trying to do, but listen to any concerns that the group or leadership or whoever it is you're pitching to have, like genuinely listen to them and then address those concerns. And then you make it harder and harder and harder for them to say no for programs that you 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 want to do. A, a very quick example, if we have time, is during the pandemic, we Accenture employees, like many companies, use laptops and get given laptops. And then they, after a certain period of time, you get your laptop replaced. And they were going to be recycled, but you know, we wanted to give those to charities that that had that supported disabilities. So we set up a working group in the AOE group, and there was global policies that prevented it for all sort of data protection reasons, all that kind of stuff. But we brought in our legal team, and we worked through those problems and kind of addressed all the concerns. And we donated last year, Accenture Ireland donated just under 400 laptops to not just disability groups, started off with disability groups, but we expanded it to, you know, youth, youth employment groups, you know, schools, in impoverished areas and the feedback that we've gotten Leila from that program a simple program it has transformed lives and especially you know especially in the pandemic when people weren't they may not have had laptops and they weren't able to go into their schools or their disability support groups they were completely isolated and if they couldn't afford a laptop you know they were they were really really isolated so these groups are these that that one program has transformed many lives so I would say to people you know make it so they can't say no. That is superb advice. I absolutely love it. And I can tell that you're a very creative consultancy background individual <laughs> with the whole creative problem-solving. Be. <laughs> because that that is that is absolutely brilliant. It speaks to everything we've been talking about ultimately, is, is you're listening, listening to all of the issues, and then you're basically making your way through the problem solving in order that you get to the desired outcome. And what a great desired outcome that was to donate all those laptops. And ultimately, I mean, things like that as you say you know transmate transforming lives improving social mobility and um, for those that wouldn't be able to, to to afford you know simple things that we take for granted like laptops you know it's absolutely brilliant absolutely brilliant and I know and working with lots of large global kind of blue chip organizations there are often lots of bits of red tape because of the size of the organizations and yeah. so you know actually being persistent, tenacious, taking some leaves here out of Taya's book is what we ought to <laughs> yeah. be doing. And finally, a personal question, actually, I wonder if you could go back in time mm-hmm. and you could give Lorcan advice. Maybe he, he he's doing kind of uh, doing his doing his studies thinking, oh, yeah, there'll be loads of jobs in this for sure. You know, what advice would you give to your younger self or someone else who's kind of embarking on early steps of their career? Oh, that's a good question. That is a good question. Do you know what though? I, I think I think your development in life, it all leads you to where you are at a given point in time. So it can be very difficult. I, I find this difficult to answer because each each stage in my life, I've learned something. And even if something hasn't worked out the way I thought it was going to work out, 
it's either sent me in a new direction or I've learned something really valuable from it. I suppose if there's one piece of advice, I, in one sense, I would say be, be bolder. I think earlier in my career, I was just the type of person who, you know, wants to work hard, do a good job, keep my head down type kind of thing. I, you know, I, I thought that was enough. And that probably wasn't enough. You probably need to, you know, get yourself noticed a bit in terms of career development and promotions and stuff like that. So just be bolder and just sort of, yeah, it, it's, probably, it's probably the one thing. But at the same time, there's no regrets as such. I, as I said, I think every every step in your life, every period of your life is a step towards the next one and, and brings you on life's journey. So there's not one thing like, don't do that, Lurkon. I wouldn't say that to myself, but yeah, maybe be bolder and, you know, don't sweat the small stuff to use that awful cliche. But that takes, that takes, I think, a lot of time in the adult world to kind of go, you know what, that really doesn't matter. <laughs> it might, it might when you're 25, but then, you know, when you're older, you're kind of going, yeah, no, that, 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 you know, there's bigger stuff going on that I need to, need to care about. So. Great answer. Very philosophical, actually. Similar to myself, I think life is a journey. And, and yeah. you know, I mean, I, to an extent, do believe in fate. Things happen, you know, sometimes for a reason. You wonder why they happen at those particular times. But then you realise actually later on, oh, my goodness, that was meant to happen for all these wonderful reasons. And, and that yeah. is why. But to, to your point, and, you know, this is filtered throughout the podcast, is life is a journey. And, you know, learning is a journey. It's an evolutionary process, as is diversity, inclusion, belonging, the things that happen happen and ultimately you know what we can bring to life and bring to the workplace is doing our absolute best and knowing that our voice and the actions we take make a difference and those you know lots and lots of differences you know leave lasting legacy for good and ultimately to to our future generations of leaders and that is what it is all about but um Lorcan yeah. it has been an absolute joy absolute joy having you on this on this podcast we I know that Thank we'll be calling on you again for for many things and please please do let us know at Dial how we can continue to amplify the voice of the enablement uh, group within Accenture and all that you are doing because it is absolutely, absolutely brilliant. And I think also, you know, some great great actionable tips here as well in terms of the awareness the pillars the practical support the you know looking at other partners and other ways to support what you're doing as well as looking at different phases of that you know almost the employment maturity curve I guess you know of internships recruitment retention you know programs that can really help you retain what will be your biggest asset or what is your biggest asset and that is ultimately the people so uh, thank you not at all thank you so much it's been really really interesting talking to you today and listen thank you for all the amazing work that you do at dial it's at the summit that was fantastic last year keep it up it's so important you know it's organizations like yourself that that will drive us to where we want to be as a society thank you Lorcan. that is so very very kind and for everyone who's listening to the diverse and inclusive leaders podcast today thank you you can download the podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps be it apple be it spotify inside our dial global app which is dial global network in the app store and you can also check out Lorcan as well make sure you check him out on linkedin you reach out if you're in, in accenture if you're not in accenture reach out you know super passionate individual make sure you get in touch if you've been affected by anything at all uh, during today's episode please do not be a stranger make sure you have the conversation and if you would like other ways to access 
access this podcast as well, the team or I would be more than happy to help. We can give you transcripts. And also, if you've missed any of the learning points, you couldn't scribble fast enough. So there's so much great stuff coming out, then, then don't worry. They'll all be there in the podcast show notes. So you can get a quick view on, summary, uh, on summarizing some of those great learning points. So until next time, thank you ever so much. Visit us at www.darglobal.org forward slash podcast. And we'll see you again very soon.